Right. So, um, yeah, I, I actually I do want to give you like a quick coronavirus update. I don't know if you guys keep up with this stuff, but there are nearly kind of 350,000 cases worldwide now, nearly 15,000 deaths. Um, it's about double the cases of last week, about triple the deaths, almost uh, almost 40,000 cases in the U.S. alone, spreading rapidly, um, particularly in New York. You know, if you're praying kind of for places, New York is having kind of an explosion. Uh, for us in California, thankfully, there hasn't been that kind of uh, rapid ramp up. And that's part of the, you know, that's that's a good thing. Like that's that's it's good that we are kind of doing these practices and, and we're trying to keep it down. That's really what we want to do. Please, I know this is just like a PSA, but honestly, this is part of the reason that we are considered still like an essential, um, an essential work thing. <laughs> um, please continue to practice social distancing. Please continue to, you know, wash your hands and uh, try to, you know. Try to, um, you know, do all those things. Uh, don't go to work if you don't have to. Uh, stay social. Interact online. Pray for one another. You know, utilize these video chats opportunities as there is need. Um, but we're, you know, we're in, we're honestly, we're in scra- scary and crazy times. Um, we've always needed God. But I think we are becoming more aware of, of that fact now. Um so I was this week, right? I was I was like about to go to sleep, lying in bed. These days, it's hard to just sleep right when I, you know my head hits the pillow, and so I'm I'm kind of thinking about stuff. And this this thought crossed my mind, and this thought was, what if Jesus like really comes back, right? So I was legitimately thinking like, what if this is it? You know, what if this is the end times? What if we're in it? Coronavirus is like literally the thing. It's, you know, it's in Revelation. It's going to be one of these kind of plagues that is talked about, one of these bowls of wrath, you know, that's being poured out. And I actually thought that, right? And and immediately what I thought after I after that thought popped into my head was Okay, this is this is bad, right? Because I was thinking all these. I'm like the economies, you know, things are happening. Global, the global economy is collapsing. We've seen climate change for years. You know, there was like an earthquake and in Utah. You know, I started all thinking this. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe it's like really happening. Of course, this is a dangerous rabbit hole, right? So I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. Like that's ridiculous, Joe. Don't think about that. Right, like we're not some kind of cult, you know. Certainly, I'm not saying like, oh, you should go like sell all your stuff. Uh, look out, you know, the end times are are coming. In fact, last Sunday after we we were like recorded, I was I went to I went to the cream market. I had to pick up some stuff, and I saw this guy on the street doing one of these old school like Jesus is coming, you know, repent, right? And I was thinking, okay, don't be don't be like that, right? Don't think that kind of stuff. But then I thought about it a little bit more. Like, just before I completely dismissed the thought, I thought about it and I thought, okay, but what's so bad about thinking that Jesus might actually be coming soon? You know, what's so bad about opening up to the possibility that the coronavirus is a sign that Jesus is coming back soon? I suppose uh, the kind of the worst thing that could happen now, I'm not saying you should sell everything. I'm not saying you should live like there's no tomorrow, right? But I suppose the worst thing that could happen is you could be wrong and end up 
wasting your life living as though Jesus actually is coming back soon. Like, did that sound weird to you? Because it should have. Because that's weird. Because we are actually supposed to be living our lives as though Jesus is coming back soon. But for some reason, even in the face of a global pandemic, I think we don't want to think about that. In fact, isn't the problem right now that we are wasting our lives acting like Jesus is never going to come back? And because we want to keep that comforting thought near, I think we don't want to engage in the thought of, what if Jesus comes back soon? In fact, so I, so I said it out loud, right? We're about to go to sleep, and I tell Bumi, I go, what if Jesus comes back? You know, like, what if Jesus is actually coming back soon, right? And do you know what Bumi said? She goes, that would be great. And then immediately I was like, oh, dude, I, my heart's in the wrong place, right? Because that wasn't immediately what I thought. I actually kind of went to a little bit of, like, fear, and I thought about, like, revelation and, like, tribulation and kind of all these things that could happen. I was exposed, right? Like, times like this, when we are stripped down to the core, these are opportunities for a gracious reality check from i'm not saying i know any i have no inside information you know from god i haven't seen a vision or anything like that and i think we'll get beyond the coronavirus like the earth is gonna go on but the truth of the matter is whether he comes back you know very soon or just soon or a little bit later he's gonna come back our time is short and precious and we must make the most of it and so what I'm going to be talking about for the foreseeable future is how can we make the most of the moment despite everything that's happening in the world, right? And what should we turn? What should we run to? What should we focus on? You know, that's going to be the topic for today and really kind of for the next few weeks. And so if you guys have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10 verse 38. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Yes, that was excellent. Um, Isaac's doing a good job over here. Um, Luke 10, 38 through 42. I'm going to read this for us. Please follow along. It's on your screen if you don't, if you don't have your Bible with you. Uh, this is God's word, and it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Okay, I have just two very simple points from the text today. Okay, the first point is this. Remember that anxiety and trouble come when we believe that many things are necessary. Remember that trouble and anxiety come when we believe that many things are are necessary. So a little background on this passage. First of all, um, there's Mary and Martha, their sisters. Uh, secondly, we know from John 11.1 1, 
um, that they're from the town of Bethany, uh, a small town located about two miles east of Jerusalem. John 11.1, 1, real quick, is just, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it's very interesting when you look here, uh, the description, obviously in the passage in Luke, uh, Martha is kind of the one who's introduced first, but in this passage in John, we see not only is uh, Mary introduced first, but the way that it's described is th- this is the village. Bethany, which is a small town, is the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And we do the way that Mary is presented in the Bible is kind of Mary is more the known kind of person, right? And so, you know, we inf- we can infer that Mary and, Marth- Mary and Martha were very different. They had different personalities, uh, Martha was essentially the the task person, right? She had to get things done. She was the detail-oriented one. She was the responsible one. You know, she was the destination person who liked to, you know, make good time on the road. And Mary was kind of the the journey person. You know, she is the people person. She is the extrovert. She is the social butterfly. She is the one who is more known in the community. And that's not to say that either of those things is the right thing. You know, it's just to point out that there were these differences between them. Now, we take a look into kind of what what Martha's thinking in the story. Hospitality was a big part of Jewish culture, uh, ancient Jewish culture. And so you should take care of guests in your home. So Martha knows that, and she's being a good kind of, you know, Jewish responsible woman. She's taking care of the home. She's running around. She's getting things done for Jesus. It's kind of how my mom was. My mom is an excellent host. She loves, you know, preparing food before somebody would come over. We'd have to clean kind of every nook and cranny of our home, right? It would just be like a crazy madhouse, partly because we didn't generally keep it clean the rest of the time. But when someone was coming over, we had to make sure it was spotless. That's kind of the Martha type. And so the place is being turned upside down. And she says to Jesus, basically, don't you care that I'm doing everything? My sister's left me alone. She's not doing it. She's left me here to serve alone. Now, this is a revealing statement because Martha considers her work, the things that she needs to do, the things that she needs to get done to be more significant than Mary's work or maybe Mary's what she perceives to be Mary's lack of work. She reveals that she kind of looks down on her sister, right? Like, what's going on? Why aren't you doing anything? And she kind of reveals, like, she's also a little bit entitled, right? Because she's telling Jesus, Jesus, go tell my sister, right? Tell her then to help me, right? He doesn't say, can you, Lord, can you, <laughs> you know, teacher, can you go and, and please uh, gently nudge my sister over? And he's like, hey, tell her to help me, Jesus. Almost like, Jesus, are you missing something that's happening here? Now, what Jesus responds is, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Now, part of the grammar here, Jesus uses what's called a double vocative. I don't need to get into grammar, but essentially it is a sign that Jesus is, um, this isn't a harsh rebuke, right? It is a kind rebuke and it is an emotive rebuke. Like Jesus hears Martha but he's also, you know, he's, he's validating her feelings, but not her solution. He's saying, look, right now, you're thinking that many things are necessary when only one thing is necessary. You're thinking 
Your thinking that many things are necessary is in fact what is making you anxious and troubled. So that's our first point here. Um, We become anxious and troubled when we believe that we have many necessities. Now, some of us believe Christ is not a necessity. You know, whether you're a, a believer or not, whether you call yourself a believer or not, that is revealed more in the way we act and what we feel in our hearts than it is by what we say. We could say, Jesus, you're a priority to me. You are necessary to me. But if we don't spend time with Jesus, then I think our heart is revealed. Well, then you don't really consider it a necessity, right? The things that we consider necessities are things that we do regardless, like probably most of us consider going to work or going to school or preparing for work or trying to get a job. Those things are necessities. Those are things that we will do regardless of, you know, you don't just not go to work because you just don't feel like it, right? If you're legitimately ill, maybe you won't. But generally, that's what we consider a necessity. Now, do we consider time with Christ a necessity? Necessities will find their way into your schedule, whether you feel like you have time or not, whether your schedule is full or not. So some of us don't consider Christ a necessity. Now, some of us believe Christ is a necessity, right? He is one of many. We have many necessities, and Jesus is one of them. You know, John Piper, he once wrote this um, America is the first culture in jeopardy of amusing itself to death. I think, in fact, some of us are thinking that we are going to die from lack of amusement, right? There aren't enough things to do right now, and we feel like we're dying, you know. Um, Now, I'm sure that definition of necessity has changed in the past week. You know, a week ago, what did I believe was necessary, Well, kind of doing my regular day, dropping off Micah at school in the morning, going to Starbucks to work and prepare. For that matter, drinking coffee I considered a necessity. Probably setting my fantasy basketball lineup by Monday at 4 p.m. was a necessity. I had to make sure that got done, right? Making sure my kids could go to school. Church events, right? Having a big Easter's coming up, big Easter event. That was a necessity. I certainly would have said gathering together physically in church was a necessity And of course, spending time with Christ, that was a necessity. I consider that one of my necessities. That was all necessary to me. Whether I admitted it or not, that was what I made time for. That was what found its way into my schedule. And now we're tempted to believe that our necessities have shifted. Getting eggs and rice and milk have become, and toilet paper have become necessities. And I got to go early in the morning to the market to make sure I can get those things you know, and some of us are thinking, well, I got to get my house cleaned. You know, I got to get my taxes filed. Like, you know, some of us have become homeschool teachers and that's what we're doing. These have become necessities to us. But the truth is, the belief that we have many necessities, the belief that many things are necessary is what causes us this trouble and this anxiety and to be distracted. Right? The second simple point, of course, follows from the first. There's only one thing that's necessary. Verse 42, one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Remember that in Christ, we have, we are free to have only one, one thing that is truly necessary. Now, don't get me wrong. We're called to work, of course. In fact, we're called to be, in fact, we're called to be busy, to do a lot of things, to work diligently, spend time with family and serve in the church. Like these are things that we are supposed to do, that we are called to. Jesus doesn't say don't work, right? He simply says, don't forsake the sitting at my feet in my presence and my word for the sake of your work for the sake of your serving, for the sake of your leisure, for the sake of what you consider necessary because only one thing is necessary. And then he commends Mary. He says, Mary, she's choosing the good portion. Right now, what does that mean? The good portion could even be like the right meal. What does that mean? Now, if we look at some passages, if we look at Psalm 16.5, Psalm 16.5 says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Right? The Lord, Yahweh, is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Psalm 142.5, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Why do Mary and Martha's priorities differ? Well, Mary sees something, in, just in this moment, that Martha doesn't. Mary understands in this moment that she's in the presence of someone on a different level of necessity than work or food or leisure. Because on some level, yes, food is a necessity. On some level, you know, uh, water and work and money, like these things are necessities on some level. But what Mary sees that Martha is missing is that Jesus is a different level of necessary. Right? If we have the option to be in the presence of God incarnate, and yet we do not find it imperative, we do not find it both urgent and important to choose to spend time with him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like that we could have access to the God of the universe, the creator of everything, that we have free access to him. We don't have to sacrifice animals. You know, we're not under the system of the past. We don't have to go through these intermediaries. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go kind of through these. Pro- like we can freely access him. We can have a relationship with him. If we can be in the presence of God incarnate and not strongly desire to sit at his feet and be in his presence and enjoy and love his teaching, then we like Martha, are missing something. We're missing it. Consider for a moment the irony of the gospel. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us. Not that one, Isaac, sorry. <laughs> God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? That, that the God of the universe who created, ordered, and runs the world maintains a relationship with each of his people simultaneously, that he pursues us, he chases after us, a people who think that we are too busy for him. That is no ordinary truth. That is no ordinary occurrence. That is extraordinary. This is precisely where Martha finds herself, isn't it? Too 
busy for Jesus and in fact ordering Jesus around, implying that Jesus is the one not doing his job. You can take down the the share screen. You can stop the share screen. You know, if you're consumed more by anxiety today than awe in God's presence, right? And and I'm and I'm not like that. That could be the case, right? Because because we are living in crazy times. Uh, but I would say slow down. You know, take a breath. Right? If your mind and heart are filled with concern about something that needs to get done rather than gratitude and worship for what has been done for you, the fact that <laughs> despite the fact that sometimes we'll tell God, I'm too busy for you, he's still going to pursue us. He's still chasing after us. There is still a spot at his feet where we can sit and listen to him and enjoy his presence Remember this, only one thing is necessary. You can lose your social life and survive. You can lose your job and survive. You can lose money and survive. In fact, God forbid, you can lose your life and survive. But you cannot lose Christ and survive. Now, one of the many blessings of this moment is that we are forced to reckon with how many of the things that we built our lives upon are in fact not necessary, right? Like we are forced, we're forced to accept that now because a lot of those things have been taken away, right? Movies, sports, you know, restaurants, bars, vacation, birthday parties, any kind of party really. I mean, these are all fine and good things in a vacuum, but when we really believe they are necessary, uh, we start to sound like Martha, a little distracted, a little victimized, a little entitled. And, and the gift of now is that, okay, we realize maybe none of those things were ever necessary, but one thing is necessary, and that's Christ. Now, we might be feeling uh, some sadness, anxiety. I don't want to discount that in any way. Again, Jesus, he doesn't say like, Martha, what are you doing? Or Martha, don't worry about it, right? That's not what he says. He says, Martha, you know, you got a lot going on. I hear you. But also, I'm not going to rebuke Mary right now because Mary is actually doing the thing that you need to be doing right now, right? So I want to say this, okay? As far as a quarantine, you know, we're, I mean, we're in quarantine. We're in lockdown. I don't know how long this is going to be. There is likely... This is likely going to get worse before it gets better. I think, of course, it will get better, but it's likely going to go the other way first. Um, But I would say a couple things, okay? One, the solution here is not to kind of like, quote, unquote, make the most of the quarantine, okay? I know that, uh, you know, for some of us, we're going to want to be like, okay, well, then I want to be very, like, productive or I want to be very efficient, you know, during this lockdown, you know, and some of us, like probably a bunch of us cleaned this week. I did some spring, we did some spring cleaning this week. But let me just say, okay, spring cleaning, you know, getting in shape, figuring out your life and your future, like making sure things are in order. That's good stuff. You know, you can certainly spend your time doing that. I wouldn't say don't do that. But I would say, you don't have to do that. You know, if you do it, great. If you don't do it, that's fine too. Not necessary. Right? Figuring out your life and your future, making sure your kids are on track, 
I mean, that's good stuff. It's good inclinations, but also not necessary. Right? Even Christ, you know, don't certainly do not try to try not to make Jesus a function of productivity. Right? Like, okay, now I'm I'm spending time with God, right? I'm being productive. It's like if 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 being productive is the reason you want to spend time with God, then you know, you're you're kind of missing the best part of it, right? Uh what is truly necessary, first and foremost, sit at the feet of Jesus. Enjoy, enjoy his presence. Listen to his word. Respond accordingly. <clears throat> you can't lose Christ and survive. But the flip side of that is if you have Christ, you can only, not only survive, but you can only thrive. Right? In fact, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. This is a passage I was meditating on this week. But nothing can separate us from the love. Isn't that an incredible thing? You know, the, the world right now is telling us a lot of things are fragile. You know, what's in your bank account? That's fragile. Even your job. You know, a lot of things, they're not guaranteed. But let me tell you, there is something that is guaranteed. And when we sit at the feet of Christ, that's when, that's when we're reminded of this. That's when we're reminded of how guaranteed this is. And this comes from Romans, Romans 8, 35 through 39. And um, I'll read it for us. Oh, we can put this, we can put this one up. Romans 8, 35 through 39. And it says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the love. That's the love that's available to us and that we need every day. So we're going to be talking, you know, as I said, we're going to be talking in the next few weeks about how we can kind of put uh, what is most important at the forefront throughout this this time. And um, I would say this is this is the first thing, right? This is the first thing. Sit at Jesus' feet, listen to his word, enjoy his presence. Let's do this every day, right? Remember the gospel daily. Spend time in the word. Spend time with one another, with your family in prayer. Live your life as worship in response to the gospel. And the thing is, if we do that, if he, when he is the one necessity, yeah, we can, we can turn that off. Um, he'll lead us to everything else that we need. Right? It doesn't mean you don't, you, know, you don't need the other things. The point is, though, that Jesus knows what we need. And he's going to lead us to the right things when we try to fix all the things on our own. When we try to do it on our own, it's going to be distracting for us. And so I really encourage you this week, church, you know, try to do that. Encourage one another to do that. For those of you who are in life groups, please continue to meet in your life groups. Pray for one another. Uh, Join us for prayer this Saturday. I will say for anyone who sees this, you know, now or later, 
if you don't know Christ, you know, if you're scared, if you feel anxious, you're unsure about where you stand, you want to know more, please get in touch with us. You know, message us on Facebook. Please email us. And just for anybody, if we, if you have any needs, if there's anything going on and you feel like anxious or you feel worried or you're, you know, you're losing your job or you're, you know, in financial hardship, please contact us. We want to help you however we can. We certainly want to pray for you. And so, and this is for, this is for everybody. This is for our church. This is for anybody out there. Um, you know, please let's do that together. And so let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much that, you know, there's always a place at your feet that you leave available to us, God, Uh, particularly in times like this. And I know uh, our level of concern is probably on a wide spectrum at the moment, God. Some of us um, think, you know, it's an overreaction. Some of us think it's an underreaction, God. Uh, We're probably all over the place. Um. But, you know, the point isn't kind of the state of, of affairs of the world right now, God. The point is that our one necessity has always been you, Jesus. Um, you know, we do pray, God, for anyone who's out there who is facing hardship and difficulty. God, we ask for your mercy. We ask for your grace. We ask for your healing. God, we pray for kind of those who are in the healthcare field, God, and who are on the front lines. Please protect them. Um, you know, provide the things that are necessary. You know, we ask for our leaders, God, for wisdom um, to kind of guide us through this time. But we pray for our hearts. Would you ground us, Lord, in the gospel? Would you ground us in belief, God, that when we sit at your feet, you provide us the peace that we need. When we sit at your feet, God, you give us the wisdom we need. When We sit at your feet, God. You give us the courage we need and the compassion that we need to help those who are in need and to consider not just um, our lives here, God, but our lives in eternity that are secure with you, Lord. Uh, Remind us of that. Help us to make time and spend time in that. Throughout this week, we we entrust it to you, Holy Spirit, and thank you so much, God, just that you love us so much that you pursue us you know, despite whatever is going on with us. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Um, You know, we love you, God. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.